How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Reese's Film Reviews, where I talk about, review, and score movies across all genres. Now, before I start this episode, I have a couple quick announcements. The first one is my uploading schedule. I plan on uploading every Sunday at 1 p.m. Since I am a college student, some of my、uh, schoolwork will keep me busy, so if I need to, I'll push it back to the following Monday at 1 p.m. If I have any further delays, then I'll wait to upload the next episode until the next、uh, weekend. On my Twitter, I will post updates on what movie I'm going to cover in the next episode and when I'm going to upload them. So make sure to check out my Twitter at Reese Film Reviews, that's R H Y S E Film Review on Twitter, and you'll stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. This next announcement is something that's very special to me. I want to wish my amazing grandma a very happy 78th birthday. She was born on this day, February 28, 1943. Unfortunately, World War II was going on at this time, but there's some good things that came from this year. The price for a gallon of gas was only 15 cents. A bottle of Coke only costs 5 cents, and you can get a brand new car for $900. Adjusting for inflation in today's money, a gallon of gas at 15 cents would cost around $2.30 today. And that's not too far off from its current price. It's nearing $3, I'm pretty sure.、Uh, a bottle of Coke at $0.05 cents would be $0.76 cents in today's money.、Uh, I used Target's price、uh, for a 12 pack of Coke, and I got、uh, $0.43 cents per can. So、uh, that's, I thought that was pretty close on. But the thing that was way off was the price of a new car. In、uh, 1943, a new car was $900. That、uh, turned into $13,600 in today's money. But the average cost of the new car today is $40,000. So that price has increased drastically over the years. Also, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League was created by Chicago Cubs owner Philip Wrigley, and it was made to provide entertainment during World War II. Uh, the league originally had four teams consisting of 15 players each before adding 11 other expansion teams during its life cycle, and it operated from 1943 to 1954 when the league dissolved due to growing disinterest. There was actually a movie made about this league in 1992 called A League of Their Own. And Gramps, I would actually like you to watch this movie today. I think it would be a nice experience for you and the family、uh, to enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the fun facts of your birth year. I love you very much, Grams, and I hope you have a wonderful birthday. Now, let's get into our movie for today Speed. If you have not watched this movie yet, stop what you're doing, go get your laptop, phone, TV, whatever you do to watch stuff, and go watch Speed right now. This, this is a really good movie. I do not want to spoil it for you if you have not seen it. So, Go do that right now and then come back and listen to this podcast. Speed is a 1994 action film directed by Jan de Bont, starring the king himself, Keanu Reeves, alongside Sandra Bullock and Dennis Hopper. The cast also includes Jeff Daniels, Joe Morton, and Alan Ruck. If that last name sounds familiar, you might remember him as Ferris Bueller's best friend, Cameron Fry. Ruck's character plays、uh, one of the bus passengers. Like, as soon as I saw him on the bus talking to Sandra Bullock's character, I was like, hey, he looks exactly like Ferris Bueller's best friend. And he pretty much plays the same character in both movies.、Uh, he's introduced to Speed as this bus passenger that talks at Sandra Bullock's character. 
about like him being like a, a tourist. He calls himself a yokel. And then Sandra Bullock just takes out her gum that she had in her mouth. And you're like, oh, I my C has some gum. And she just got up and left, sat with someone else. And like, I don't know what his character is trying to do, but it was very apparent that he was being annoying and trying way too hard. The rest of the side characters aren't all that bad, actually. Uh, Jeff Daniels' character, he plays uh, Harry Temple. He's the best friend slash partner to uh, Keanu Reeves' character. Uh, he has a decent amount of screen time, actually. He's in the movie a lot in the beginning sequence. Then he disappears for a bit, but he comes back to help the police figure out who the bomber is. Joe Morton plays the bomb squad captain, and he's not like a typical movie police chief. He's not angry and missed, he doesn't mistrust the main character. He's actually quite the opposite. He's a really good leader, and he does his best to save the people that are in danger and try to capture the bomb villain. And he has a lot of trust in Keanu Reeves' character, which you don't really see between like a police captain and the main protagonist. And this allows Keanu Reeves' character to take control during the action sequences and do what he needs to get done to save the people in danger. Keanu Reeves plays the main bomb squad officer, Jack Traven, and I have mixed feelings about his character. I mean, he's smart, daring, and he's willing to put himself in danger to save people, which are all good traits for a protagonist. But his actions are described as reckless and lucky, and that's talked about as a flaw, but it's not shown that way at all during the movie. In the beginning elevator situation, Jack's partner gets taken hostage by the main villain. And going back to a conversation the two had literally about the same exact situation, Jack decides to shoot his partner in the leg to eliminate any leverage that the villain had. And he had the villain dead to right, but of course the villain got away. So not only did he let the villain get away, but he shot his partner in the leg. and did not get punished for that at all. He still gets awarded a medal after the elevator situation. And that's wild to me. Then later on the bus, he decides to go under it to try to disarm the bomb. And his cart gets caught by debris. And to keep himself being ran over, he stabs the fuel tank with a screwdriver to keep himself over the, like above the road. And he eventually gets saved by the passengers, but now there's a leaky fuel tank and he acknowledges this situation, asks for the bus to be refueled, but this plot point is never talked about again in the movie. So for the next like 20-30 minutes, they're still driving around the bus with a leaky fuel line, and it never runs out of gas. Then at the very end of the movie on the train, since the emergency brake was broken, he decides to put the train at full speed, so when it got to the curve at the end of the line, it would derail and I don't know I just I don't know why he wanted the train to derail because they ended up crashing into a whole bunch of things and they ended up going to the ramp that takes the train to the uh, to the street level and they bumped into a car miraculously no and of the little subway workers were harmed at all and if he slowed down uh, I'd still doubt the workers would be harmed because action hero movie if he slowed down, he would have crashed through everything. He would have stopped way before he got to street level. And the bomb was on the train too. Even though he disarmed the bomb, if that train blew up, the whole they would all blow up. If there was a fire, if they crashed into anything explosive, they would all blow up. And he would definitely kill some of the subway workers. I don't I don't know why he decided putting the train at full speed was a good idea, but 
it still worked and nobody was harmed even the people that they ran into on the street i like it makes no sense but i actually love the main villain in this movie dennis hopper plays howard payne who is a retired bomb squad officer and he does an incredible job in portraying his character he is very resourceful and stays one step ahead of the hero throughout the movie you don't know whether jack can defeat howard payne and I think the movie, the director, and the writers do a great job in portraying this. Although his motive for being a terrorist essentially is just for the money. And I think that's a shit motive because you have this former bomb squad officer who could have easily been screwed over by the higher ups because of politics. And that could have had an effect on him mentally that pushed him down a downward spiral. So now he's willing to put innocent lives in danger to get the money and recognition that he deserves. And the movie definitely sets it up that way, but it for sure falls flat in that aspect. While this movie may have some flaws with its characters, its greatest strengths are in its action, story, and score. This movie keeps you on the edge of your seat for the entire two hour duration from beginning to end, rarely letting you have a chance to breathe and relax. And even when it does slow down a bit, it quickly picks up the pace and takes you back on another wild adventure. The movie starts off with the villain showing up to the building that he's going to break with explosives. And no lie, in the very first five minutes, within the very first five minutes, he stabs one of the maintenance workers in the neck with a screwdriver. That's how this movie starts, and it gets a lot more intense as time goes on. Once he rigs the elevator and gets his hostages trapped, he then calls the bomb squad and they immediately get to work on getting the people out of the elevator. Jack and Harry are then sent to the top of the building to try and disarm the bomb, and this is where Harry asks Jack the gunman question. While they're having their conversation, Jack figures that the villain would blow up the emergency brakes on the elevator anyway, so they go to the very, very top to get uh, a winch to connect it to the elevator, so in case that he does blow the brakes that something will catch it so it doesn't fall all the way to the bottom of the building. While Jack and Harry are talking about this, Howard Payne is listening to everything that they're saying and he decides to blow up the emergency brakes on the elevator early and the elevator starts to fall but it ends up uh, getting caught by the winch that Keanu Reeves put in place moments before the elevator brakes got blown up. Since the elevator is so heavy, it eventually tore the winch from its bolts and it started falling. But luckily, the winch got stuck between like two metal bars in the building, so it stopped the elevator from falling, but it obviously can't hold it up for too long. Jack and Harry quickly run down to the lower levels and call for assistance to get these people out of the elevator. And if you're like me, your biggest fear is getting caught in between the elevator and the hallway as soon as the elevator falls and you get crushed in half. And the movie knows this and it teases you with this fear as it shows every single person getting rescued as the elevator starts slowly falling. And it almost gets you with the last person but the elevator luckily falls as soon as she gets pulled out. After they helped rescue everybody from the elevator, Jack and Harry quickly figured out which freight elevator Howard Payne was hiding in, and as soon as they try to apprehend him from above, 
Howard Payne started shooting at them from below with a shotgun. Harry was the first one to fall into the elevator where Howard Payne captured him as a hostage, and Jack fell in there shortly after and found himself in that gunman situation that him and Harry were talking about earlier. As they exit the elevator, Howard Payne backs up to the door he's trying to escape in, and Jack is presented with a choice. How does he deal with this gunman? Harry looks at Jack and he just tells him, shoot him, like shoot me. And Jack obliges, he shoots his partner in the leg and has Howard Payne to capture, but of course with the magic of plot armor, Howard Payne manages to escape and fakes his death. This is where we see the movie re really take its first break from the action up until like the very end. We see the police celebrate that Payne is dead and they were able to rescue everybody from the elevator and all the officers involved were awarded medals. At the party that the police throw, Harry gets too drunk and he admits to Jack that he was a little salty that he actually shot him in the leg and he was in agreement with the bomb squad captain that Jack is a little too reckless and gets really lucky with the situation that he's in. And that statement sadly doesn't have any real significance to the story except to show that Jack is reckless and gets lucky with every situation that he's in. Now it's the next morning. Bright and sunny, early, like 7, 6 a.m., something like that. Jack goes to the coffee shop that he likes, you know, orders, banters with the barista, banters with the bus driver I guess he knows. And then as he's leaving, the camera starts to follow him. And I think this is one of the best shot scenes in the whole movie. As the camera follows Jack out of the restaurant, it goes from the back of his car left to right towards the front, and as it pans over, we see Jack entering the car from the driver's side door, and the bus is pulling out behind him, and all of a sudden, the bus just explodes out of nowhere. The viewers don't know what's going on, Jack doesn't know what's going on, obviously the bus driver, God rest his soul, he doesn't know what went on, he just exploded out of nowhere. Jack runs after the bus, he's trying to save the bus driver, but he doesn't even know how. And then he, we hear uh, a payphone ringing in the background, and it starts getting louder as Jack starts to realize it. He goes over to the payphone, he answers it, and guess who's there? Howard Payne. He faked his death, he wasn't dead at all. Now Jack has to deal with his shit, he hasn't even eaten his muffin yet. It's early in the morning, he's just trying to have a relaxable day, and all of a sudden, the bus explodes, and we got this dude coming back from the dead to terrorize everybody. Now, Howard Payne is back because he is pissed with Jack, because Jack messed up his plans on getting his, I think it was like $3 million that he's owed because something that's not explained in the movie, and he goes on to tell Jack a riddle. And the way that he explains it is the way that his partner told Jack about the gunman situation while they're having the conversation. Remember I said that earlier Howard Payne was listening on that conversation? Well this villain is a good one because he learns from his mistakes and he learns from his enemies. He was like, I got a pop quiz for you hotshot. What do you do when a bus is armed with a bomb? Once it goes over 50 miles an hour the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50 the, bomb, the, the bus explodes. What do you do? This is where the real action begins non-stop from now until the very end. Jack wants to know where the bus is. Howard Payne happily obliges and tells him the location. And Jack's first reaction is to get to the bus and make sure it never goes over 50. I, that's, I think that's everybody's first thought. Make sure it never goes over 50. Because Payne said if the bus goes over 50, the bomb is activated. And once it drops under, then it explodes. So smart thing is to do, smart thing to do Make sure the bus doesn't go over 50. 
and he's racing down through downtown LA. He's doing his damnedest to get to the bus before it gives over 50. And Howard Payne is smart. He doesn't go put the bomb on a regular city bus that goes to the suburbs or something. This bus needs to go on the freeway. So it has, it's gonna be forced to go over 50 at some point. And Jack is racing to get to the bus and try to get it to stop. And he gets, he has, he has to steal this dude's car. And this is one of the funniest parts in the movie. He pulls out his gun. He's like, LAPD, get out of the car. And the dude driving the car, it was some black dude. He was like, oh man, not again. I had already told you guys, I, this car's not stolen. And Jack's like, it is now. And he kind of just pushes him to the side and gets in his car and races after the bus. Once he finally reaches up to the bus, he's doing his best to get the bus driver's attention. He's trying to get them to slow down before they reach 50. And of course, he eventually gets over 50. And now Jack realizes this, so he jumps onto the bus and tries to tell the bus driver and everybody the situation. And one of the passengers on the bus, I guess he uh, committed a crime or something, but he, he pulled out his own gun. Like this is fucking Texas or something. This is downtown LA. But I mean, I guess, I guess since it's mid 90s, not mid 90s, it's early 90s LA. So maybe somebody's packing a gun, but they have their own standoff. Jack tries to put his gun away, but the passenger's still you know, aggressive to the point where he tries to shoot at Jack. But of course he misses and he hits the bus driver. Let me remind you, the bus driver's black. There is, what, three black guys in this movie? The one that has his car stolen by Jack, uh, the bus driver who gets shot, and the police chief, actually, uh, nothing bad happens to him. But this dude gets shot, and I don't. I think he dies. I don't even remember. Now the bus driver's shot, the passengers are flustered, that dude is... He's probably going to get charged with something. I can't remember if he does or not. And now Jack's got to tell them that they've got a bomb on the bus and they're going to explode if this bus drops under 50. Somehow, Jack was able to gain control of this situation. Annie, that's Sandra Bullock's character, she took over for the bus driver, so now she's smashing it down through the residential areas. Jack was able to convince Howard Payne to let the police only take the bus driver so he will be taken to the hospital since he was bleeding out. Unfortunately, one of the other passengers tried to exit the bus as well, and as a warning, Howard Payne decided to kill her. She was on, she was standing on one of the, like the step platform you have to step on before you get on the bus. He blew up that from under her feet, and she got ran over by the bus. And now, at this point, the rest of the passengers are scared. They're crying. They don't know what's gonna happen next. And the viewer, we're in the same boat too. The move, the music in the background is so good. It really sucks you into the moment, and now you're in the same boat as the rest of the bus passengers. But everything is gonna be okay, right? The police helicopter above was guiding them to an unused part of the freeway. They had all the time and space for them to figure out how to solve the problem. And Harry, back at the police station, he was on top of trying to find out who the bomber is. So everything is going to be all good. That's correct? Well, no, there's another obstacle. As they go further down the freeway, they discover that there's a gap in the road and that part is above the ground. So there's like a 50 foot gap in between in between the road and they have to figure out how to you know, go around the obstacle. And Jack's bright idea is for Annie to smash it, like even faster than she's already smashing the, the bus, to jump the gap and land on the other side. Now, if you haven't seen a gap in like the highway or a freeway, that section of road, there isn't much elevation change in between so to get a bus from point a to point b you need a ramp that's long enough and has the right 
you know angle for it to launch off of so the bus can land on the other side and this leads to i said the scene where jack was robbing that dude's car was funny this was this one was the funniest as the bus approaches the gap it magically props up like it springs up from the front of the bus somehow there's no elevation there's no like there's no ramp the other side of the road isn't like significantly lower than the one that they're on already they're on the same level the bus somehow springs up the front of the bus somehow springs up it jumps the gap and they land i can't say safely they like you know kind of land wobbly on the other side but they make it somehow some way like they're playing chariots of fire in the background like this is a magical moment but they're still stuck on this bus with a bomb but they survive and everybody's cheering even though that bus should have immediately dipped and smashed the front into the other side of the gap but you know movie magic I'm not, I'm not gonna rip on the passengers that much they're happy that they're alive and I'm happy for them so now Jack has another bright idea which is actually it's actually a good idea he wants them to go to the airport so they really do have un enough space for them to just drive around in circles and you know finally solve this problem once they got to the airport they had to drive through one of the security checkpoints and as a precaution for cars that do the exact same thing they have a spike strip set up so if the car runs over it its tires are slashed and that's what happened to the bus and so they have that problem on top of everything then howard payne calls jack to remind him that he's still in control of the situation and that he shouldn't get smart he still wants his money and if he doesn't get his money then him and everybody on the bus is gonna die and this leads jack to get another bright idea which is bold but it's kind of stupid he manages to convince uh, howard payne to let him off the bus so he can get one of the get some like mechanic cart that's attached to like, some cable on another car they're gonna he's gonna roll under the bus so he can try to defuse the bomb that way and it's a bold idea it's dumb but it's bold and it seems like this idea is gonna work jack was able to get under the bus and he had harry on the phone talking him through how to dismantle the bomb and they both quickly realized that this is a sophisticated piece of work and not some regular old maniac put this together this has to be someone who knows their stuff and when jack tells harry that there's like this watch timer on the bus like on the bomb that lights up a light bulb in harry's brain and he figures out that it has to be a work of like some former police officer like for sure and that's when they figure out it's Howard Payne and they go to set up a raid on his house to try to disarm the bombs remotely when Jack was trying to get out from under the bus the tires that were popped the rubber was coming off and one of the pieces got stuck on the cart and he was forced to try to latch on to the bus and to do this he had to stab a screwdriver into the fuel tank and kind of like hook his feet up under the rest of the parts of the bus while the cart got ran over and luckily the passengers were able to pull him out uh, into the bus from like this access panel that's on the on the bottom floor of the bus so he was able to get out of there without being ran over thankfully but now there's a problem no, there's another problem the the bus is losing gas and unfortunately the movie forgets that this is a plot point because it's never really mentioned again after Jack tried to get a refueling truck for the bus. Now the movie cuts to Harry and his squad of police officers raiding Howard Payne's house. They enter the house, they find it empty, 
all of a sudden they enter a room and like the smoke detector starts beeping harry just stares at it knowing what's going to happen the camera cuts to the outside of the house and the whole building explodes i'm at the edge of my seat harry's dead bus driver probably dead they're losing fuel and we still don't know how they're gonna disarm the bomb they, he can't go under he doesn't have the cart and i don't even know if he still has his tools how how is this going to be resolved i'm at the edge of my seat here howard payne calls jack again to rub in his ensuing victory in his face and jack is furious he's insulting Payne. he's trying to get something out of him to give him some sort of leverage but howard payne isn't budging and jack in response to this he just hangs up, he smashes his phone against the dashboard of the bus, and now Annie is trying to calm him down. The, like, the roles are reversed. Before it was Jack trying to calm down Annie and the rest of the passengers, now it's Annie trying to calm him down because they're scared for their lives and she needs him to be calm and rational so they can get out of this. And Sandra Bullock's performance in this scene is indescribable. This is the best scene in the movie it made me tear up from how powerful sandra bullock's performance was i re-watched that scene twice in a row tw twice in a row and i still teared up both times sandra bullock i commend you i commend you sandra bullock she did an incredible job my words can't describe the impact that she had during this time and indescribable you have to watch it for yourself when Jack finally calmed down, he had this moment of clarity. During his talk with Howard Payne, Payne said to Jack, you, the Wildcat, and everybody else can't solve this problem. And the, the word Wildcat stuck to him. And he looked at Annie's stuff, and she had the Arizona Wildcats logo like on the bag or something. Jack figured out that the way that Howard Payne was one step ahead of him this whole time is because Howard Payne was watching everybody through the bus monitor, like the camera that's in the front of the bus watching everything. He was looking at that feed and making sure that everybody was doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's how he was staying ahead of Jack this whole time. So Jack and the police came up with the idea. They had to make sure that all the news vans, they were stopped showing their coverage and they would record the bus feed on a loop so whenever Howard Payne would go and watch it on his monitor it would just be showing them staring forward on a loop that would allow the rest of the passengers to be able to get off the bus without Howard Payne knowing and that was actually really smart I would have never thought that Howard Payne was looking through the, looking at them through the bus monitor sadly they were only able to get like I think it was a minute of footage from the bus but that was all they needed and now we finally have a solution to this issue they were able to get all the other passengers to another airport bus using a platform in between both the buses but whenever the last person got off uh, the platform broke so there's no way for jack and annie to get off the bus but they have another solution for that they put like this pole on the throttle so it'll keep on going Jack tied a rope to the wheel and attached it to the access panel from the bottom of the bus. Him and Annie got on top of that panel and they slid under the bus uh, to safety while the bus started to drive off in its own direction. Luckily it didn't run into anybody or anything. Uh, when it approached a taxiing, uh, it was an empty uh, plane that was being taxied across the, the runway and as soon as it ran into the plane, it immediately exploded. Coincidentally, the back of the plane also exploded alongside the bus, so that's a little suspicious there, Hollywood. 
most of the problem has now been finally taken care of. The passengers are off the bus and the bomb has been taken care of. Now we have to worry about Howard Payne. Remember, Payne doesn't know that they got the passengers off because he's been watching that looped feed. As he looks back at the feed, he notices one of the passengers accidentally drops her purse and the feed catches it as soon as it loops so he knows that it's fake and it's not real but he still has one more trick up his sleeve. For some reason, whenever the police went to the location where Howard wanted the money to be dropped off at, Annie was with them too. She was still with Jack and they got an ambulance to check up on her but they didn't move her further away from the location or to a hospital and Howard saw her from his vantage point so he went down to the street level wearing his old police uniform and kidnapped her to use her as bait. The police noticed that the trackers that were on the money bags was moving even though they didn't see anybody pick it up from the location that they dropped it off at. So Jack ran to the trash can where it was, he opened it up and saw a hole going to the underground system where Payne was hiding. So Jack jumped into the hole and he ran after him and he finally caught up to him. And the person that turned around was Annie. She had the bomb strapped to her and she had the switch in her hand. It was a dead man switch so if she died or let go then the bomb would activate. Earlier I called Howard Payne a good villain and I stand by that. He might not have the best motive, but himself as a character is better than most of these typical movie villains who make the same dumb mistake over and over again and end up being easily apprehended by the hero. Since the beginning of this movie, Howard Payne has made Jack and the other officers work every step of the way to try to defeat him, and he wasn't going to go lightly, and it never even looked like he's, his plan was going to be beaten up until just a few minutes ago when they finally figured out how to fool him with the bus feed. With the money and Annie as his hostage, Howard Payne was able to escape to the subway train below, leaving Jack behind, but Jack was able to catch up with them jumping on top of the train right before it left the station. I don't know how Jack was able to stay on top of the train and move quietly, but he was able to do so until he had to roll around a, one of those little lights that's in the subway that's hanging from the ceiling in the tunnel. He had to roll away from that and somehow managed to stay on top of the train and Howard Payne heard him rolling on top of it and this got him upset. He really wants Jack to leave him alone. He was a little amused that he was able to play this game with him. Now he's pissed. Not only has he thwarted his plan with the uh, people in the elevator at the, at the beginning, now he's got the people out of the bus and the bomb threat out of the way. He can't, he can't catch a break. So he shoots uh, at the roof above and he runs out of ammo so then he decides to just get on top of the on top of the train and beat up Jack himself and I thought that was actually I thought that was a really dumb part on his end uh, he could have stayed on in the train or not used up all his ammo but he's enraged so he's not thinking clearly he gets on top of the train he tries to beat up Jack and he's on top of Jack he doesn't realize that the rail sign was coming up ahead Jack notices this he ducks down and he gets fucking decapitated in broad daylight even though they're in a tunnel broad daylight Howard Payne gets decapitated in front of our eyes this movie doesn't cease to try to surprise you even at the very end and it doesn't stop there Annie's still handcuffed to the one of the poles in the train Jack can't get her free they're, in, they're nearing the end of the rail line they can't break because the emergency breaks off even though he can throttle down and the way that the movie solves this is plot armor and I'm a little disappointed with this he just speeds up the train they derail at the end of the line when they come to the the final curve that man luckily they didn't hit any of the subway workers 
and they were able to ramp up onto the uh, ground street since they were underground and they barely dinged the car and now they, they were safe jack had disarmed the bomb before you know all this happened i'm i'm glad that the bomb didn't go off i'm glad that they didn't run into anything that could have set the bomb off and at the very end they share a moment they kiss then the credits start rolling i will admit i was a little disappointed with the end there was this little brewing bromance between jack and annie that was shown throughout the movie i didn't think it was totally appropriate for the problem at hand there were bomb threats and people lives were at stake but hey there was this side romance with jack and annie i, I th didn't think that was unnecessary and yeah i do have some nitpicky things with the characters but that the overall experience of the movie trumps any problem that i have with how it ended or how the characters are from beginning to end and i said this again again it was non-stop action we only got a break from the part we got a break from it at the party from the elevator situation then it got non-stop action with the bus threat the bus bomb threat from that point on to the end of the movie we had a there was a slight break once uh howard Payne got fucking decapitated i want you to remember that and you need to go watch that too he got decapitated i'm still i'm ah uh, yeah no i that's oof he got decapitated there was a short grace period then we still realized Andy's still strapped to the handcuff to the pole and now we're still having this high tension moment but that this movie is good i have to give it an eight and a half the only way it can get a 10 is fix the ending a bit i, I thought that was kind of bs but you know fix the ending a bit give a better give a better motive to the villain and i can be fine with the nitpicky things with the characters that's just me if you do those things this movie is a 10 out of 10. I usually wait to the end before I score and give out awards to the movies, but I can't wait for this one. This movie is great. Not only does it get the Peanut Butter Cup Award, but I'm giving it the Certified Hood Classic. Everybody needs to watch this movie. This is great. You will have you will have nonstop action. You'll be the edge you see, and you, it'll keep you guessing until the very end. This is a good movie. I love it. The score is incredible as well. It helps you suck you into the moment. It makes you feel like you're one of the bus passengers. It makes you feel like you're Jack. You're trying to figure out how to, you know, thwart this villain's plan. You, this movie really makes you feel like you are a part of the cast. Sandra Bullock does an incredible job with her performance, especially whenever she was trying to calm down Jack after he had his meltdown. Keanu Reeves is awesome as ever. He's just an absolute king. And Dennis Hopper does an outstanding job in his role as the villain. And I really love that character. He is one of my favorite movie villains of all time. And I'll say that with confidence. I also have to commend the director too, Jan de Bont. This was his first directorial movie and he started off with a bang. He did a great job orchestrating this entire project. I also have to give a shout out to the writers, Graham Yoth and Joss Whedon as well. Uh, he was apparently uncredited, so I'll give him kudos if he was part of this project. This was incredibly written. There were callbacks to earlier like phrases and items that were mentioned early in the movie. At the elevator part, uh, Harry mentioned to Jack that all they get for the work as like, you know, bomb, like bomb officers was a metal and a cheap golden watch which was the same gold watch that was used on the bomb that Howard Payne put there to as his identifier. Howard Payne anytime that he would you know give Jack a puzzle he'd say hey hotshot here's a pop quiz something like that and that's how 
uh, Harry told Jack the gunman situation at the very beginning of the movie. You, you can see that in some dialogue things too. Whenever Howard Payne is talking to Jack, you can tell by his language that he's looking at them at real time, not just through like the news outlets like the movie shows you, but through the bus feed, which you don't even think of until it's until Jack thinks of it whenever he tries to trick Howard Payne. If you haven't watched this movie yet, you need to go do so ASAP. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It gets that honor. And I want to thank you for listening. If you want any updates on this podcast, go follow my Twitter. That's at Reese Film Reviews. That's at R-H-Y-S-E Film Review. Next week, I will be covering the movie The Way Way Back. Thank you for listening and have a great week.